welcome. So we are continuing our gift series uh, today uh, and for the next few weeks. Our gift series is, uh, it's just been a wonderful instruction to us as a church and giving back what God has given to you. But let me, uh, let me say this, you know, we as a church are doing incredibly, we're incredibly healthy at the moment. This is an absolutely wonderful celebration. What do I mean by that? I mean, we're growing. I mean, this room is full almost and the kids just walked in. It's, it's absolutely jam-packed. Um, we are seeing people meet Jesus we are seeing people, um, more people healed. We're seeing an increase in the healing and in the prophetic ministry. We're seeing God do so much. It's an exciting time to be around here. We're seeing community impact grow. We're seeing national impact. Um, Sam was uh, playing at David's tent last night as well. So it is amazing what God is doing in this place. Uh, you know, that's all really exciting. But it's about this time, as this series is about, that it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to say, hey, you talk to your person, uh, your, your friend at work, and you say, I go to this great church. The problem is, we don't, we're not just called to go to a church. We're called to be the church. There's a big difference between that. We're not called to just go to a church. We're called to be for church. You know, for some people that you meet in your life, you will be their only experience of church that they will ever have. And so it's one of these things we need to think about and pray about and not just spectate, not just stand on the edge, but to get involved and to be part of it. You know, as Mark started the uh, series by saying, there is this temptation of consumerism. You ask, what can I get from these situations instead of that kingdom seeking, what can I give? But it says in um, uh, 1 Peter 4.10, which is the serious verse, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You know, to be clear, this, is, this series is not about asking you to serve in order to fill some gaps. We could, we could plead that, we could ask that, we can make that happen. But that's not what this is about. This is an invitation to kingdom building, to use the gifts that you have received and to be the church that God has called us to be. You know, Denise spoke absolutely brilliant on this last week. Were you here for that? Yeah, I'll give her another huge round of applause. She was, oh, there she is. I wasn't just doing that for friendship. There she is, actually. <laughs> uh, I loved her talk where she talked about Sunday teams. And many of you signed up. And, you know, please continue to think about that. But she talked about when it's hard to give. And this week I'm speaking about um, an area of the church that actually makes up about a third of the people in this building at this moment. A third of the people in this building at this moment. And that's kids and youth. They make a huge part of this church. It's not just us in this auditorium, although the kids have just joined us. Um, it is so much more that's going on around here. Okay, little segue. My, um, uh, our, our three kids, seven, six, and four, they all go to the same school, which is a two-minute walk from my house, which is why we're always late. But it's an amazing school. And the, one of the things they started teaching on last uh, year, I think it was, was really about climate and about saving the environment, and about being proactive in this. In fact, they changed one of their school plays, a normal school play, I think it was the Easter one or something like that, into, uh, into uh, a let's save the world kind of play. You know, there was uh, acting, there were songs, there were dancing, there was so much. And the songs really circled around this idea of, uh, you know, doing practical things. Everything you can do. You can turn off lights when you come out of rooms. You can recycle. Uh, you can turn off the tap between brushing your teeth. All these amazing things. So on the way home from this play, I was walking with my girls, and I said to them, wow, that was a great play, well done, big smile. And then I said, so does this mean we're going to do things differently at home now? We're going to turn the lights off, are we going to stop running tap? And my daughter's answer, without even thinking about it, was, no, Dad, it was just a play. <laughs> uh, that's where we are. Um, but you know what? A year later, 
A year later, there's some change and transformation taking place in them. My uh, five-year-old, now six-year-old, she turned around one day and said this, Dad, why do we cut down trees in order to make paper, in order to put up signs to say don't chop down trees? <laughs> My reply was something along the lines of, could you just ask me why the sky is blue? I can Google that one. That's much easier. <laughs> it was a great question. And then my other daughter, listen to this. We went into an ice cream shop, okay? You don't think about anything else but ice cream when you go into an ice cream shop. Not my daughter. She walked in, and she, without any hesitation after ordering ice cream, she reached into a pot, handed it up, and looked to the person behind the checker and says, why do you still have plastic spoons? I mean, I, I don't think of anything but ice cream in an ice cream shop. And yet she had got hold of this idea that plastic spoons are bad and they need to be doing something about it. You see, young people take in what they hear, they digest it, and it becomes part of them and their worldview. They become the biggest advocates of any cause that they understand and believe to be true. You see, you know, be it Halloween or Harry Potter, they will imitate those who excite them. More so, be it the climate or corruption, be it animals or activism, be it sports or social influence, they will one day give their entire lives to in what they believe to be true to make their world a better place. They will give themselves and everything they have to invest in what they believe to be true and that will make the world a better place. You see, our kids and youth are some of the greatest missionaries that this world has ever seen. But the question is, what... Or who will they proclaim? What or who will they proclaim? I say to my girls um, every Sunday, every sorry weekday when I drop them off at school. I don't know where this came from, but just came to me one day, and I leant down. If they don't run away and just kind of disappear, I leant down. I gave them a hug, and I said, "Listen, what you learn today will one day help you change the world. What you learn today will one day help you change the world." And I, I think, hope, and pray that's true for all of us, especially here this morning, that what we learn as we come to church, what we learn as we listen, what we learn as we read the Bible, will one day help us to change the whole world. You see, because we have that one person that's worth imitating, Jesus Christ. And we have that one cause that is worth giving our lives to, and that is destroying the works of the enemy which includes the environmental destruction, which includes corruption, which includes all injustice, by establishing the kingdom of God. But we cannot do this alone. You see, this world needs a savior. It needs a healer. It needs a redeemer. It needs Christ. And it says this in Romans 10, which I think is a great question. But how can they, that is those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who are mistreated, those who are ignored, how can they call on him if they have not put their trust in him? And how can they put their trust in him if they have not heard of him? And how can they hear of him unless someone tells them? And now this is where you and I come in. Verse 15, and how can someone tell them if he or she is not sent? The holy writers say the feet of those who bring good news are beautiful. You see, we cannot just rely on these young people's parents um, to prepare them. I know our kids uh, get fed up with listening to us, and we hope and pray that they find people of influence around them that will speak into their lives. As the uh, saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child. Each one of us can make a difference, even today, by simply noticing our kids and youth. 
by simply reaching out to them, blessing them, encouraging them when you see them. Not telling them off, not ignoring them, not just talking to adults on adult level, but looking down and engaging with those in our church. Each one of us can do that today. However, some of us are called to do more than that. Some of us are called to be spiritual uncles and aunties in the kingdom. People that they know, people that encourage them, people that look out for them, that bless them in every way possible. Now, I know some of you would be interested in this, but basically you, the first thought that comes to your mind is, is fear. And it's like, what will they think of me? I'm not cool enough. You know, will they care about what I have to say? Well, the truth is that they, these are common questions, and they're good questions, but they're the wrong questions. You see, the problem with these questions is they're about us. We're thinking about ourselves more than them. It's a temptation of consumerism. What will I get? How will they make me feel? Would it be right for me instead of what can I give? You see, it's not about whether they care about what you have to say. It's about will you care about what they have to say. See, that's the difference. And some of those fears will disappear very simply and very easily when you just get an opportunity to meet some of these guys. And so I want to invite just a, a handful of youth. So we've got Noah, Evie, Rue, and Kira, I believe, up onto the stage. Would you give them a huge welcome? Can I have the um, mics, please? Thanks. Awesome. Take a seat on the couch, man. <laughs> welcome, guys. Where's the rest? Oh, there you are. There's room on the couch if one of you wants to go in. And there's a stall for the special treatment. Oh! Rejected. <laughs> awesome. Okay. And this is what this is all about. Can I just say, first and foremost, that this, uh, this plant is from my office. I'm basically just recreating my office experience here. If anyone ever comes in for a pastor, this is roughly what you get. Um, okay. First of all, you've got... Sorry. I'll give you your mic of your own. Woo. Okay. First of all, let's, let's go down this road. I want you just to introduce yourself, your name, your age, and your favorite fast food restaurant. Noah? Oh, my name's Noah. I don't know, is it? Hitting it always works. Here you go. Why isn't this working? Go on. Testing. Yeah, there we go. My name's Noah. I'm 13, and my favorite restaurant is probably Wagamama's. Wagamama's. Nice. They should come around our house. Tara does a mean katsu curry. That is awesome. My name's Evie. I'm 11 years old. And my favorite one is Yo Sushi. Yo Sushi. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, I'm Rue. I'm 17. And my favorite restaurant has to be Nando's. Nando's. <laughs> I love it. I'm Kira. And I'm 17. And mine has to be Wagamama's as well. Oh, Wagamama's yeah. again. Okay, we could stop there. Immediately, I know that almost everyone in this room has a place that they can relate to these guys. Who's a Nando's fan, just out of interest? There you go. Are you, are you, are you sushi? No, a little bit less popular. Wagamamas? Oh, yeah, there you go. All right, guys, I want to I jump into this. I want to, you know, Henry prepared you with some great questions, and so I'm going to just jump in. How have you guys experienced the presence of God? Maybe we could start with you, Kira. Um, so I don't necessarily remember. Like, I've definitely felt the presence of God. And I think for, like, nowadays, I do doing journaling. Yeah. And like, listening to podcast talks. And um, that's when I like, stop everything else. And I sit down and I spend time with God. 
um, personally and build my relationship that way. I love that. And, and in your answer, you were saying about um, how you just pause, you turn off everything else, yeah. and you just sit there and journal. And it's just in that place that the, the presence of God just washes yeah. over you. Amazing stuff. <laughs> um, I'll come back to you last, if you might, Ruth. Um, <laughs> Noah, go for it. Well, I normally feel the presence of God during worship. That's where I feel I most connect with him. So sometimes I get, like, pictures or words and... Sometimes they're not instant, but sometimes they just come to me for other people. I'm not sure. That's amazing, yeah. I think it's, it's easy to overestimate the fact that you're hearing from God on a daily basis and you get to speak into people's lives and encourage them and bless them. That's amazing, Noah. Love that. Um, I just listen to, like, good music and stuff. Yeah. And just listen. Switch off. I love that. Again, it's that thing about switching off, isn't it? And just focusing on God. Um, and I think you also said you have words for people as well yeah. and, and moving that. Um, that's awesome. Rue? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've written some notes. So the first time that I kind of um, felt the presence of the Lord was like going to these Christian camps, like so I was yeah. in DTI. But um, I kind of feel his presence when... Like, I'm, I'm quite a loud and bubbly person. So when I'm sad or struggling with my condition, um, I've got, like, an autoimmune condition. But um, I kind of step back and just think that he's just pushing me along. Mm. And then I feel his presence then. And then he just makes you a stronger person nice. and help, you know, kind of teach his word to others. <laughs> well, that, that's why I asked you to go last, actually, because uh, <laughs> Rue is a bit famous. Um, <laughs> not only does she have several YouTube videos that you should totally check out, but she was also on the Paul O'Grady show a couple of weeks ago um, for being at Great Ormond Street Hospital. Um, could you just give us a 30-second introduction to that and then tell us about how God has met you and carried you through those moments? Um, so... I was diagnosed with neuromyelitis optica in April last year and no one knew what it was at all. And during that time, it was really hard for me and my mum. But we've always come to church and knowing that the Lord is always there. And I don't know how I would get through it without God because I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be the same person that I am now and speak about my condition. Mm. And what um, are the symptoms of that condition? Um, so I've lost a lot of vision. Um, I have no central vision in my left eye um, and very blurred vision in my right eye, along with static, like an old TV. Mm. So walking around is very difficult. Um, sometimes I have to use a cane, but, you know, I just move through that and I'm just trying to and teach people make them aware of the condition because it's really, really rare and try and be a testimony to my family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things I absolutely love about Rue, and she's absolutely right, she is a bubbly, energetic person. Every time you speak to her, you just go away with a massive smile on your face. <laughs> But the genuine thing is, is she has been hit by this disease, and we pray for healing every single week. I mean, I think we've got three pages of words of knowledge today. Um, we pray for healing. We see people healed. 
We believe that the kingdom comes and does these amazing things. But there's also moments where it's not yet. We pray, nothing happens at that moment. We pray again, nothing happens at that moment. We continue to pray. But what I love, what I admire, what I'm so impressed about with Rue is that she's not kind of get frustrated with God. I'm sure there's times when you have. Um, and not given up. But actually, she's found his comfort, his love, his strength to carry her through Sometimes when she could have just given it all up and said, fine, I'll deal with this my way. And that's what I love and admire about her. I, just, I know we've given her a round of applause, but as a demonstration for the kingdom's power, give her a huge round of applause. Amazing. Okay, moving on. So, lots of cheers there. That was amazing, wasn't it? Um, we are, you know, this is a full room. I don't know if you noticed. Look at me if you, if you get intimidated by that. Um, but this is a full room. But I want to ask the question, as Emily prepared you, what does it mean to be part of a church family? Me? I guess so. <laughs> Eva's giving you the mic, so you have no choice. <laughs> um, I think it's really important to be with people that know what you're going through, that they can relate to you, mm. what you've gone through, different situations, different ages, and you can just connect and have a proper conversation with them without feeling like you're being weird or out of place. Yeah. And it's just a place of security, almost a church, where you can come together and share your emotions. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Fantastic, Noah. Oh. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, well, I just find it easier to talk to people like have the same religion and stuff because they all know what's about and stuff like yeah. that. It's good. It's that same thing as that commonality. Brilliant. Um, to be part of a church family is important to me because um, being a Christian is part of my life. And mm. when you go to these church functions and events, you just meet people that are like you and it's just so much easier to relate to them. Yeah. So I love the fact that being part of a church, that you can all pray together and then you see these blessings and miracles happen. So, yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Awesome. I've, <laughs> <laughs> I, I've definitely, um, I find that the best, the most important thing for me is that um, I, there are people who are like invested in sort of me and my relationship with God and helping mm. me grow it. So when I've been here from young, they've sort of, at each stage, there's been people who will help me realize my gifts and teach me how to use them. And yeah, yeah it's been really cool to like, and comfortable to like get to use them. I love that. That's so good. And a huge thanks to them. You know, um, Henry uh, is not able to be here today, but he, um, he did a survey with the youth. And he asked this uh, question, and I don't think he or I or anyone was waiting and expecting this answer, but it is worth listening to. Do you know, he asked all the youth, as many as he can grab, and says, how many of you feel part of the church family? How many of you feel connected? How many of you feel like there are people that are watching out for you, just like Kira said? And I don't know if you uh, want to do a quick guess, but do you know what the answer was? 20% of people, 20% of youth, feel like they're part of the family. And you guys have, have mentioned that really well. Uh, and I'm glad you have. But 
80% of the youth don't feel part of the bigger family. Now, let me just pair that with this other statistic. 95% of under-18s in the UK don't attend church. 95% of the under-18s in the UK don't attend church. You can see some commonality between those. You can see some overlap. If someone comes to church and they are having a great time, they meet some, uh, you know, some great friends in their group, let's say you hit 18 and their friends either move away or they go to university, what reason is there to continue coming? Why would you continue being part of the congregation if all of your friends and all your connections were just in Sunday mornings? And this is why I feel it's absolutely necessity for all of us, everyone in this room, everyone's hearing this message, to not let, you know, just let those 20% be happy and ignore the other 80, but make that difference. And we've got these guys up here because they're amazing, but also just so you can see how fun they are and how wonderful they are and which restaurant that they go to. Um, <laughs> but we need to change that, guys. We really do. We really do. I've got a, a couple more very quick questions as we move on. Um, if you, now this is powerful, and I've given you the mic, this is dangerous. If you could give us as a church one piece of advice, <laughs> what would that be? Don't mute him. <laughs> okay, Kira, maybe you can start this time. Um, I guess my one piece of advice would be um, almost like letting God take over um, sometimes and just completely just meet people where they're at and like it just almost being like a, a prayer ministry sort of takeover and yeah, because um, we've seen that at, like DTI and Soul Survivor, yeah. and it's, de- uh, it's especially like the one place and the one time that I've definitely experienced it myself and seen all my friends. Like that's when everyone grows in their relationship with God most because it's when God's being like, "I see you." Yeah, um, that's yeah. it. Awesome. <laughs> um, if I was to give the church some advice, maybe it would be like, I don't know sharing our stories and testimonies and how we've met God, um, kind of support each other mm. and pray for them, um, pray for healing and pray for better faith. But that would be <laughs> nice. Advice, That's awesome. Um, just to get involved and help yeah. out with people that need help or just to help out in groups more. And yeah. talking about youth and... yeah. And uh, I love this. Your mum asked you a question, didn't she, when you were preparing for this. Why, why would people want to get involved? Uh, Come back to Evie. <laughs> I forgot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because you're worth it. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, and Evie said this, because we're worth it as youth, uh, because you're worth it. That's why. Awesome. I'm not really sure what to say after that. They basically <laughs> all of my points. But <laughs> I love it. I think this church in a group, as a group, is a really good church because we get involved with everything. We have points where pe- new people can get involved, where people who already know God can get dig deeper and have a better relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this gave probably all the points, and I th- this is a, this is a great church in general, really. Brilliant. Well, wow, what a great note to finish on. Would you guys give these guys a huge round of applause? Fantastic. Brilliant. Thank you, Trevor.
Um, Henry's not here, but he did manage to first give her a little video. So why don't we uh, just watch that? It's a minute and a half, and so Henry can say a few words. Can't take a man away from his surfing, that's for sure. Um, if this has touched you, if this has stirred you, get involved. Simple as. If you love these guys, and of course you do, then after the service, uh, if just head out to the doors. On the left, there's some involved flyers, which we had from last week, but there's also from kids and youth. And we were looking for four main roles to get involved in the various age groups and also registration. I'll talk about that in a second. But let me just make a, a, a little segue. Um, Mark spoke on the first week about John 6. Uh, I love that story, the feeding of the 5,000. And so uh, they, they sit down, 20,000 people or so, and, uh, and he asks his disciples, okay, you need to feed them. And they're like, where are we going to get food from? And this little boy comes up and presents him five loaves and two fishes. And, uh, and the disciples go, well, this isn't really enough, is it? Um, but then Jesus does that immense, amazing miracle where he takes and just gives everyone what they need. And they're left with 12 baskets at the end. It's an amazing story. Two things grab me about it. First and foremost, the emphasis that it was a boy who did it. It wasn't a man, it wasn't a woman, it was well collected, well presented, prepared. It was a boy who just humbly brought whatever he had. And it was Jesus that took that and turned that into an amazing miracle. The other thing that got me about that as I was thinking about that story is that how did he get that food? See, I think, as I was playing in my mind, that someone had to pack that lunch for him, had to prepare that for him. Had to give him something as he went. I'd imagine, uh, you know, one of his parents saying, okay, I'll just give you a bit of food. It looks like you might be out all day. Um, you know, a little bit more than you need. Maybe you could share it with a couple of friends. And, uh, you know, when they got back, it was like, did you enjoy your lunch? Did you share it with a couple of friends? Well, yeah, there was like 20,000 of us or so. <laughs> but, you know, there's something simple and profound about that, which is this. Every single one of us can pack lunch of sorts for someone. We can give something. We can give a little bit of what we have. And when they go with that bad lunch, that can be placed in the hands of Jesus and be multiplied for way more than ever needed. You see, it's not about what you have. 
It's about how much you're willing to share. So you can have the world. If you're not willing to share, it doesn't matter. And you may have very little in your eyes compared to what you could give to kids and youth. But if you're willing to give that, it's amazing what it can do. It's amazing what it can do. You know, you don't have to be a great, um, a great teacher or a child whisperer. It does help if you are, and if you are, you should be on the team now. Um, but relationship is the biggest gift that you can offer someone. Vulnerability invites vulnerability. Joy brings out joy. Love mirrors love. Believing in someone can be the greatest gift that you can give them. It can feed them for the whole week. You know, I, I, as a family, we love playing these kind of imagination games. And some of our kids are better than the others. But we play these imagination games. We're just getting to think outside the box. And it's just, it literally is just fun. But it absolutely in, awe-inspired us one day when our uh, oldest came back. And she said, I've started this new group at school. And we're like, oh, what is it? And she goes, well, I've gathered some friends. And what we do is we embrace our ideas. And uh, sorry, no, it's, uh, I started a new group where we talk about our ideas and embrace our imagination. I'm like, what? <laughs> but I love the fact that all we did was a simple thing. We played with them. But they went and multiplied that at school. And they went and multiplied that amongst their friends. Every single one of us can do that. Every Sunday, we have a team of people that make themselves available in, the, um, in all the rooms and in the groups. And they invest in groups. Listen to this. This is amazing. Every Sunday, on average during September this was, every Sunday, we have 200 and 51 world changers in those groups. 251 kids and youth every Sunday on average. Isn't that phenomenal? That is amazing. And uh, every single one of them goes home with a packed lunch and is presented to Jesus and can be an absolute world change. If you're on that team, if you're on a kids or youth team, would you just briefly stand up? They're all in the group. Oh, they're, they're shy. Come on, stand up, stand up. Well, don't, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Can't stop you guys applauding today. Um, you know, our five-year-old recently invited, uh, this is a story from a mum. Our five-year-old recently invited uh, Jesus into her life. Stay standing, guys. Um, it is so natural. This is what the mum said. It was so natural and beautiful. I told her there are parties going on in heaven. And she laughed deeply. It was so beautiful and precious. Thank you to your team and all the amazing teaching they've had that have helped her on the journey to finding Jesus. Now you may give these guys a round of applause. Okay, there are two people that spearhead all of this. Well, the three, Henry's not here. There's two people that spearhead all of these kids' uh, work. I want to invite Mana and Maria up to the stage. Give them a huge round of applause. Take a seat and a microphone. Okay, I can't really see you, but it doesn't matter, it's fine. Um, first and foremost, tell us, who, who are you <laughs> and what do you do? Who do you look after? Hello, everybody. Good morning. I'm Maria. I'm the children's pastor, and I look after children from zero to five. Um, and I've been here in this post for just over five years. 
And this is your... Um, this is me, not in my normal Sunday attire, <laughs> as you can That's see. That's our casual attire during the week. Um, our, <laughs> we have three grown-up children. Uh, this is our middle one, Sam, and he got married in May. So um, this was our... It was the most decent picture that I could find. Um, <laughs> if you ask my children what I'm like um, in photographs, I've usually got my eyes looking in three different directions. Um, so I said, this is the one I'm going for. I don't care, I'm wearing a hat. So, there we go. I love it. <laughs> My name is Mana. I'm just waving at the Ventureland kids. Hey, you guys. <laughs> so, I'm the Ventureland's pastor. It's been um, 54 months. I love to count the months because of the prophetic, not because of another month. <laughs> just leaning into the prophetic. Um, just such a joy to, to um, with the team, love and pastor these children. I am um, married to my Prince Peter, and these are two um, teenagers. We just so enjoy them. Yunay is 17, and Jean is 15. We are South African, as you can clearly what? hear. Um, what? <laughs> God guided our footsteps um, here 23 years ago. Peter working as a dentist, me as an occupational therapist. And 13 years ago, God guided our footsteps into the vineyard. And um, yeah, so it's been an incredible journey and children's pastor has never been on something that I thought I'll do, but believe me, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive what God has planned for your lives. Nice, I love that. So I'm gonna start with you, Maria. What, what is it that drives you about what you do? What is it that you love? I think for me, um, our children are such an important part of our church. Um, I've always had a heart to believe that our children um, get to play too. And um, when I applied for the job here, um, God had given me a picture um, before the interview. And I saw our children um, ministering in the main service. Little children praying over adults bringing words of knowledge, prophecy, healing. Wow. And I'm just looking for the day when we start to see these things happen because our children, you know, they have a childlike faith. And I think sometimes as adults, we do complicate things mm. and we bring our stuff. But children, they just believe it. When you, when you show them Jesus, they just take it all on board and they just run with it. So true. Um, this picture here, actually, I um, the reason I asked Richard if he could put it up was um, I uh, had a team uh, meal quite a few years ago now, and uh, this is the picture that God gave me. And uh, for me, the village rooms, our littlies, um, it's about cultivating the soil. Um, soil, all the team know I'm, I'm mad on gardening. That would be my other life if I wasn't here. Um, <laughs> And God always speaks to me in the spiritual about the physical world. And that beautiful little seedling there is our children. And that's what we're doing. We're cultivating a soil for them to grow. Um, and when they're little, they're tender and they need a lot of love and care. Um, and not only is it that Jesus waters them with the Holy Spirit, but we do too. And that's what my amazing team of people do. Week in, week out, they come and serve and they are helping to make those little seeds grow so that they stay strong and grow to maturity and keep doing this race with Jesus. 
you know, I, I love the uh, vision about children praying and uh, ministering and all that. Uh, and it is, I mean, Maria, Mar- Mar- so he's not talking about older kids and youth. She's talking about naught to fours, naught to fives at most. And this isn't something we wait for them to grow. We know that God has placed his gifts inside of them. And when we give them the opportunity, they can be world changers even at that age. Do you know, one of the other things I love about Maria is that she doesn't just think of the kids. The kids are super important. But I love her heart for the parents as well. Would you mind just talking about that for a second? Yes, for me, um, the ministry is twofold. Um, It's about looking after our children, uh, not babysitting, I'd like to add. Um, That that, um, is not what it's about for me. Um, It's about um, providing an environment where our children are all going to feel happy and safe and secure. And in that, it means that parents who have little ones who are maybe leaving them for the first time can entrust them. Mm. And then they're free to come into this place to um, experience God for themselves, to get prayer, to get ministry, to get support. So it's as much about parents as it is about children. And if I can help to make that better for them um, so that they can come and meet with Jesus and make connections, then, you know, that's brilliant. That's what we're aiming to do. That's amazing. This is a gift for the church. Amazing. So, Maria, um, uh, I would love to sit here and listen to you all day. I really genuinely would. And I do get to the opportunity during the week. But would you mind sharing a story with one of the, with these guys, uh, something that's happened in Vineyard Kids? Yes, of course, I would love to. Oh, you're prepared. Um, yes, <laughs> I, I um, actually asked one of my uh, team who does an amazing job in our elephant room. That's our three and four-year-olds. And she also brings in the children from Giraffe, who are our four and five-year-olds, to do joint worship together. And she said to me, recently, two children have given their hearts to Jesus. Wow, (laughs) nice. And also, when um, when they're in worship together, they're learning to pray for one another. They're learning to um, prophesy. And recently, one of the children said that they had a picture of God placing crowns on their heads as they were worshipping. I mean, I just think it's amazing. You know, these children are four and five, but they're already grasping what our amazing Heavenly Father has, the gifts he has for all of us. And, you know, if our children can do it, then we can do it too. Oh, yes. That was amazing. Okay, over to you, Mona. So, tell us, what is it that drives you? What is it that motivates you to get involved with, um, or got involved, to head up um, five to tens? Um, th- my, my journey with kids started when we joined the church, and I felt God said, um, serve where you benefit. And at that mm. stage, my kids were in Vangeland, so I felt to sign up and jump onto the team serving once a month. And I was about every Sunday up here for prayer because I just think it's such a beautiful thing that we can stand together as children of God praying for each other. So I took big steps of faith joining the prayer ministry team. So from there, I I served, never knew, um, would have dreamed that I will become the children's pastor. So a few years later, um, uh, so in April 2015, I got the opportunity to become the children's pastor. But three months before that, I was dancing in my kitchen at home, and um, 
while I was cooking like our moms, as we as moms do, cooking our dinner, mu worship music on, and just to have a moment where I just so strongly felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in a just abandoned and danced, just worshiping God, I heard him say to me, let the children come to me like this, mm. alive in the Holy Spirit. And um, three months later, I became the children's pastor. So I, I, at that <laughs> stage, I didn't know it will happen. But as you can imagine, that has been my heart since stepping into the role is to see kids come alive and worship um, a responsive um, sensitive and responsive to the Holy Spirit. And I think that's the bit that I, I absolutely, my heart just melts when I see the kids in worship. Um, and they also, we teach them, we do two dance worship, but we do a catching worship where we teach them to catch from God, to see Him, to hear Him. And they share off every week after worship, they share words and pictures. Um, so it's just beautiful to see them grow in that. Amazing. So. If you go to the next picture, Matt. So there you go. Awesome. So that now, this one is the catching worship part, yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a couple of photos I want to give you, I want you to give us some commentary on, because I just think they're amazing. But um, if you can go to the next one, Matt. So what's going on here? Okay, so when we do catching worship, that's when we still our hearts, and we say we get our bodies ready, like you would catch a ball, you look at the person, and you get your body ready. So in worship, you get your body ready, but then with your heart, you think about, your heart and your mind, you think about God loving you so much. And to help the kids access that, we give them blankets in Ventureland, so they can choose, do they want a blanket or not, um, or just lie on the floor, stand, kneel. Um, sit down, and then the blanket, they, uh, some kids just put it around them, and over um, like, like that, we've got a river in Ventureland. If you haven't seen our river, come into the room, come and have a look. We've got a river and a garden, but you can see here a child just in worship, um, sitting in the river and just resting in God's presence. What the boy did at the cross is, um, we say to the kids, when you get ready for worship and something comes up in your heart, a worry, a fear, an emotion, go to the cross, write it on a sticky note and pin it to the cross. And that's mm. what that boy, if you go look at that one, he wrote something on a sticky note and he pinned it to the cross, giving it to Jesus. Amazing. Boy, if we, if we teach our kids from that age to live in the freedom that Jesus has for them, then they, they, the need for restoring courses like that won't, will diminish because they learn to live free from the pain and the hurt of this world. Now, one of the mums sent you a photo, didn't she? Explain that as Matt goes to them. Okay, this next photo is, um, so that's what we do in Ventureland. We get the kids to grab the blankets and spend time with God. And this mom sent me a picture. Her daughter before school said, I need time with God. And she went and get a blanket. And she went in, her, in that place of just chatting to God and catching from him before school. How many of you guys want to do that before you go to work? <laughs> yep. I want to, this week, everybody on their floors with their blankets. One more photo. And one more, one more photo as well. Then I got this picture from a, from a parent saying her daughter came into the room and asked Alexa to play worship music, <laughs> modern technology. So Alexa <laughs> plays some worship music and the parents got busy with things and as they returned to the room, the daughter was sitting on the back door step like that, catching from God, just resting in his presence. And that is to raise a generation that loves God, that know the the, the incredible power of intimacy with him 
and to live lives from that is just, that's, that's our hearts. That's our yes for him, to bring the kids to, to him. Let me uh, finish off by saying this. Uh, Mana has five different areas that she focuses on every Sunday. The welcome, uh, the accessibility, I'll come back to that in a second, safety, worship, and teaching. Uh, every one of those five areas is something she emphasizes on every Sunday morning. But I love the fact that access is in there because you can put on a great uh, experience and environment, but if the kids can't access it, then there's something missing. And I love your heart at the moment, especially you're doing a lot of research and preparing it, is looking into making it accessible for kids with special needs. It's one thing we just long for as a church to be available for that, but we just haven't got that yet. I would just do a shameless plug. If you're interested or qualified in that, please speak to Mana as we prepare and do the work behind that. But give these guys a huge round of applause. Okay, so Marna's going to go up and get the kids ready. I've got a couple more things to say. And Maria, what do you say? Do we? 